polycystic ovary syndrome. Um, we're really talking about a complex hormonal condition that affects around 10% of all women. The most common example would be uh, your menstrual cycle not being regular. So whether that's uh, constant spotting or bleeding or more commonly with PCOS, just your menstrual cycle going missing. This generally occurs late teens. Unexplained weight gain, like, you know, you're eating exactly the same as everyone else, but you put on weight where no one else does. You're finding yourself, you're constantly tired, even though you're sleeping. Signs of high androgens. So there might be a little bit of facial hair growth. It might be some acne. You might have no symptoms until you have a child. And then you find out after, uh, after you know, when you become a mother, these symptoms start to show themselves. Anywhere from 67 to 85% of PCOS have vitamin D deficiency, which is directly correlated with insulin resistance. Constant infections, you're talking about headaches, you're talking about chronic fatigue, you're talking about sleep insomnia. All of these issues stem just from vitamin D deficiency. Anxiety rates were 41%. Depression rates were 36%, which is significantly higher than those without PCOS. If you're following the right plan, three to six months, you can see significant improvements to your PCOS. Hi, I'm Laure Sejan, a former HR director turned into a pro makeup artist and a beauty editor. In this podcast, I want to share another way of looking at beauty from the outside and from the inside from people who create beauty trends to people who help us feel better within our body, from sharing my experience with some beauty products to digging into new ingredients. Welcome to Beauty S'il vous plaît. I'm super excited and happy to tell you that Drew Bear, founder of Healthy PCOS, is offering you a 20% off your entire order when you purchase on healthypcos.com using the code LAUR20. It's L-A-U-R-E-2-0. Healthy PCOS is providing supplements to help women with their PCOS. If you want to know more, I invite you to listen to this episode. This episode and with Drew, we really wanted to spread awareness about PCOS and help any woman with this condition. I really hope that you will enjoy listening to this episode. And obviously, I mean that you will also experience the healthy PCOS supplements. They deliver all over the world. So don't hesitate to place your order now. Enjoy the 20% of using LAUR20. It's L-A-U-R-E-2-0. Enjoy the episode. Today, I'm having Drew Bade, the founder of Healthy PCOS. Believe it or not, but um, I discovered Drew on TikTok. And for me, definitely, it was a sign. I was watching uh, his uh, videos and I was like, really a man talking about PCOS. And um, I was like, I need to contact Drew. I need to know what he does. 
uh, I need to know his purpose. So, yeah, I mean, I went uh, straight to his email, sending an email and um and and just because you know, I mean, though I'm not an expert uh, in hormone, I'm passionate about it, and I want to help as many women as I can to understand better hormones, to understand better, you know, what they're going through, because sometimes we don't understand what's going on. And um, Drew is an Australian ex-personal trainer who was also developing some meal plans for his clientele back in the days. And in 2019, he created Healthy PCOS that develops supplements specifically for women having PCOS and helping them in their journey. Um, Drew is sharing his knowledge and findings on social media, on Instagram and TikTok in a very educational way and also in a funny way. I mean, I've been watching all his videos and we'll talk about them as well. Um, what I love also is Drew is a man supporting and helping women in their PCOS journey. And I just love this. Um, so Drew, thank you so much for being with us today. You are the first person, the first guest uh, that I'm recording with for 2023. And I think this is a sign for um, 2023. Um, so yeah, thank you so much. You're based in Australia. I'm in Dubai. And what time, I mean, it's eight o'clock in the morning here. What time is it in Australia? It is uh, three o'clock in the afternoon. So it's Works out very well because most of the time I'm doing similar things. It's often to someone in the US or the UK. So I'm often having to do this around 8 or 9 p.m. at night. And as a morning person, I struggle with that. So I do thank you and just thank you for having me on and allowing me to spread uh, much needed awareness for polycystic ovary syndrome. Yeah, I mean, to be honest with you, I've had a few of my guests having PCOS uh, syndrome. So uh, Eman Abash is the founder of Ketish. Um, Amini Sebi, she's the first uh, curvy model in the Middle East. And um, I mean, Eman, I mean, I know more Eman, uh, Amini than Eman, but uh, I know that this is, this is a struggle for women. And I've had some of my clients you know as being a makeup artist as well, sharing, you know, their, their journey. And sometimes they just don't know what it is. Um, so, I mean, I want to thank you, uh, to spreading the words now on, uh, on this, do to, to, to start this episode, you know, how would you describe yourself? Uh, I like to describe myself as an educator. So for me, uh, you know, although I like the gym and, you know, you can't see it at the moment, I'm covered in tattoos, uh, deep down, I'm a massive nerd. So I love researching. I love buying textbooks and reading and looking at all all of the tables and the science and then I have a whiteboard and it's probably the most used whiteboard in the world because when I learn something I love to get on the whiteboard and draw it as a picture because I'm much of it I'm a very visual learner so I like to work it out and you know PCOS I like to think of as a bit of a, a puzzle because it is very confusing but once you join all the dots um, it does make sense here in Australia we used to have a, a TV show called Mr Squiggle <laughs> it's a little kid's show. And at the start of the show, uh, you know, there'd be a blank piece of paper with maybe three lines. And they'd say, Mr. Squiggle, what's this? And you'd have to guess what it is. But because it's only three lines, you have no idea. You're confused. But then you'll draw it all. And at the end, you're like, ah, it's a picture of a bird. 
So that's what I like to see my position here at Healthy PCOS as. There is a huge education gap with PCOS. You know, a woman will go to the doctor, be diagnosed with PCOS, and then that's basically it, right? That's where the education stops. But, you know, when you read the studies and you look at all the, the information out there, there is a lot we know about PCOS in terms of what it is, how it works, and also treatments. But that information isn't uh, easily accessible at the moment. So what I like to see myself is as as I love research, I love reading, you know, I like to dedicate my day to learning more about PCOS. So I'm happy to do the hard work. And then as you mentioned just before, share it on our Instagram or TikTok in a way that everybody can understand. Because if you've ever read a research study, it can be very confusing. So I like to see myself as someone that can take that science and explain it in a way where everyone can understand it, take action and improve their PCOS from it. When I first discovered you uh, on TikTok, um, as I said, you know, I was surprisingly and positive, I mean, or su positively surprised, I'm going to say that that way, um, that you were talking about PCOS and you were so passionate about and that you were also very knowledgeable you know, um, about. What made you want to create healthy PCOS? Yeah, I think um, I think everyone in life would like to find a mission or a purpose or just something that gives meaning to their days, right? So I come from a fitness background. I was a personal trainer working in the gym, you know, 10, 12 hours a day, which I loved and I loved helping people lose weight, but it's just a bit of a superficial goal, if I'm being honest. Where with PCOS, and when I started talking about PCOS and I started working, you know, randomly working with a few ladies as a personal trainer with PCOS, I found that their goals and the reason why they were wanting to improve their PCOS was far deeper than just, I want to lose 20 kilos to look good for a summer holiday. You know, they were wanting to fall pregnant naturally, you know, because they've dealt with three or four miscarriages. They wanted to reduce their facial hair because they weren't feeling feminine. You know, they wanted to feel sexy. They wanted to feel good within themselves. They wanted to feel like themselves. They wanted to feel like they're in control of their body. So those goals to me were deeper. And when, you know, one thing I really like to do is when I, you know, now because all the business is, is online, you know, I don't really deal with people face to face anymore. But when you get an email from, you know, a woman saying, you know, I've been through multiple miscarriages and all, all I want in this world is to become a mother. You know, I sit back and put myself in that situation as good as I can. And when you do that, be like, wow, like this means the world to this person. You know, I'm a father, I have three children, I've been very blessed. And I look at my children, I'm like, I'm so lucky that these little humans are in my life. If I can help this woman achieve that, wow. So just for me, it's just, you know, I feel like here's a group of people that have a condition that affects them deeply on a daily basis that truly want change. And at the moment, as I said just before, the, the education or the information to make those changes is there, but it's not in places that they can see. So it just, yeah, doing what I'm doing just gives me that purpose to wake up every, every morning and be like, I'm actually doing something with my life that is meaningful. Mm, yeah, that's true. I mean, from from what um, I mean, I don't have PCOS, 
I've had some hormonal imbalance that I think that today, you know, I'm able more to manage, but it's a daily work, I would say. Um, but from my friends who have, you know, PCOS, you know, indeed, like their education note does not exist enough, I would say. And when they go and see their doctors, I'd say, oh, okay, you have PCOS, then, you know, the best is to put you on a pill or like on other medication that obviously are going to shut down like the symptoms, but not going to work on the root cause of PCOS. And the moment, you know, they stop their, um, their birth control pill, their symptoms are going much more um, present than, you know, before. And this is like the kind of stories that I'm hearing over and over. Um, before going into this, I mean, the question that I had is, can you explain what is PCOS? Of course. So PCOS stands for polycystic ovary syndrome. So poly means many, cysts on the ovaries, and it's a syndrome. So the difference between a syndrome and a disease, for example, a disease has a set diagnosis criteria and treatment where a syndrome is generally a collection of symptoms that may or may not appear together. And we'll talk about this, how individual PCOS can be and how one woman's PCOS may be vastly different to the next woman's PCOS. Even though they had the same condition, it manifests itself differently. So polycystic ovary syndrome, um, we're really talking about a complex hormonal condition that affects around 10% of all women. And when what we need to understand about hormones is, you know, when we think about hormones, oh, you're being hormonal, you might just think about the menstrual cycle or someone, oh, you're being hormonal, you know, someone might be moody. But what we have to understand is hormones are involved in just about every one of the body's systems. So that means that the symptoms of a hormonal disorder, whether you're talking about PCOS or uh, an issue with your prolactin levels or hypothyroidism or even uh, going through menopause, the symptoms can impact you in a vast variety, whether you're talking about your appetite, your sleep, your energy levels, your weight, your mood. PCOS symptoms can be vast, and that's why it's important that we do explain all of the facets of PCOS. You know, I'm still shocked by when I talk about, you know, uh, I made a post a month ago, you know, lesser known symptoms of PCOS, the amount of comments from women with this condition for 10 or 20 years saying, I never knew this could be connected to PCOS. It's very important we share this information. So PCOS, polycystic ovary syndrome, uh, it's a hormonal disorder affecting around 10% of all women. There's no cure for it at the moment, but with uh, the right treatment strategy, you can hugely improve and get on top of this condition and massively um, subdue your symptoms. Do you feel an increase uh, of the number of women having PCOS the past few years? Um, so I'm not sure if there is, if the actual numbers of PCOS are going up or if it's, we are more aware of it now. So more women are being diagnosed with it. I know the last study I read was, um, you know, and this can only obviously be an educated guess that 50% of all people with PCOS are currently undiagnosed. And that's because, you know, a lot of people, when they have symptoms, it's like, oh, this just must just be me. You know, this just must be how I am. You know, it's life. 
And then you'd probably have family or friends saying, ah, get over it. You know, ah, it's okay. Stop, you know, stop worrying about it. When you actually do have this condition underneath. In saying that, if you look at the root causes of PCOS and where it's rooted in, obviously there's a genetic disposition. But when you look at things like um, insulin resistance or chronic inflammation, these conditions are made worse by where our society is going in terms of a fast food society, uh, in terms of constantly being stressed due to work and how busy we are due to social media and always being on our phones. So I would just say like society these days isn't doing PCOS any help at all. So I, I, I get, um, so how would you identify that you have PCOS? You know, what are the different symptoms that you can identify or as a woman, because to be honest, like we are complex, not, and because of hormones as well, like one of the reasons is hormones. And honestly, it has such an impact you know, on our mood, on our, um, I don't know, on, on our, yeah, I mean, mood, energy, um, way of dealing, you know, with others that sometimes we get lost and even doctors again, um, are not able to to help us. So if I had PCOS, what would be like the symptoms? What would be the signs for me to say, okay, maybe I have PCOS or I have, or I have it? Yeah, so PCOS is going to manifest itself slightly different in everyone that has it. But let's take uh, the, most common, the most common example. The most common example would be uh, your menstrual cycle not being regular. So whether that's uh, constant spotting or bleeding or more commonly with PCOS, just your menstrual cycle going missing. This generally occurs late teens. So uh, depending on what time, what, what period of your life or what age you start, you know, having a period, because naturally for the first few years of that age, an adolescent girl, her periods aren't going to be regular. But by late teens, early 20s, your menstrual cycle should be quite regular. So the first sign is generally uh, irregular menstrual cycles. Then you might be looking at like unexplained weight gain is, is super common. I'm trying to think of the most common symptoms. Unexplained weight gain, like, you know, you're eating exactly the same as everyone else, but you put on weight where no one else does. Um, also things like, you know, you're finding yourself, you're constantly tired, even though you're sleeping well, you know, or you may not be sleeping or also signs of high androgens. So there might be a little bit of facial hair growth. It might be some acne. So these are the signs that, uh, a woman may start to experience generally in her late teens, early twenties, but it can be later in life as well. And it can even be after, you know, you might have no symptoms until, you have a child and then you find out after, uh, after you know, when you become a mother, these symptoms start to show themselves. So then you'll go to the doctor and hopefully your doctor is um, happy and willing to investigate. So what your doctor will generally start to do is they will start to rule out other possible causes of those symptoms before turning to a PCOS diagnosis. So a few other conditions that can cause those symptoms, uh, hyperthyroidism, hyperprolactinemia, uh, congenital adrenal hyperplasia. So these are conditions your doctor should look to first and rule out. 
After that, your doctor should look at PCOS. And to diagnose PCOS, they generally, generally use what's called the Rotterdam criteria. And if you meet two out of the three, you can be diagnosed with PCOS. And they are irregular menstrual cycles. So less than eight menstrual cycles in the last 12 months. Uh, high androgens, whether that's on a blood test or physical signs of high androgens, as I said before, bit of facial hair, acne, or a bit of hair loss. These are physical signs of high androgens. Or uh, a ultrasound image of the ovary showing polycystic ovary. So if you have two out of the three, your doctor can then diagnose you with PCOS. But Di PCOS diagnosis is a via, is a diagnosis via exclusion. So your doctor should look at ruling out those other conditions, then look at using that diagnostic criteria for PCOS. And if you meet two out of the three, you can be diagnosed with PCOS. Um, are there things that we need to look into in terms of hormones, hormonal like level, estrogen, testosterone, progesterone, other um, hormones? Oh yeah. So this is this is where we get into the nuts and bolts of it. Your doctor will likely not do that, right? Your doctor, and that's the thing. I'm not here to to talk down doctors because most of them do amazing jobs, and I completely understand they are generally overworked, stressed, and in the end, they're just humans. They're not perfect, you know. So when you go into the doctor, your doctor is generally just looking for a diagnosis. And then let's face it, they're looking to either medicate you, send you off to a specialist, or tell you to lose weight in PCOS case. So they, in terms of they will generally hope to medicate you. They will give you birth control and or metformin, right? So Sorry, just before this, because I have this question about like why and how birth control, I mean, why doctors would think that birth control, you know, help the patient, you know, with eventually like um, not eventually but maybe with having pcos because the cold hard facts of it is it, it can right so if you actually read the research and but hormonal birth control is often demonized in the pcos community and that's because a lot of women have terrible experiences with birth control but with most most things with pcos i'm neither you know 100 for it or 100 against it because With most things in life, it's not black and white. It's a thousand shades of gray. So for many women with PCOS, taking birth control can massively improve their condition, right? You're, ta you're taking that, um, that synthetic estrogen and progestin that mimics the menstrual cycle, and they have natural anti-androgen benefits. So they can hugely improve somebody's PCOS symptoms. It's true. But I would say just as many women with PCOS who are prescribed birth control have a negative experience with it, right? And as you alluded to before, is the biggest issue with hormonal birth control for PCOS is it's a Band-Aid. It doesn't actually solve the underlying drivers, right? So when you stop taking hormonal birth control, it is very common for not only just your PCOS to come back, but for, for your PCOS to come back worse than ever. One of the big things of that is 75% of PCOS cases are rooted in insulin resistance, meaning insulin resistance is the underlying driver 
of the other hormonal imbalances. What do we know about hormonal birth, long-term hormonal birth control use? It worsens insulin resistance. So if you have insulin-resistant PCOS, which 75% of women do, you're taking hormonal birth control, but then you stop. Well, the the thing causing your PCOS is now more severe than ever. So that means your symptoms are going to be more severe than ever. And the issue is, generally speaking, you know, my sister-in-law went through this as well. If you're prescribed hormonal birth control at 16, 17, 18 for your PCOS, when do you think someone stops at? All right? Probably in their late 20s, early 30s when they want to have a child. But when you stop it and your symptoms are worse than ever, your menstrual cycle, it can be another two or three years, depending on how long you're on that. It could be another two, three, four years before your menstrual cycle starts to regulate. And that does untold damage to someone's mental health. You know, when you're at that stage where you truly want to become a parent, but, you know, nothing's working, it can really, really, yeah. And I've seen this firsthand. It can hugely impact a woman's mental health. Not only that, but also her relationship. So, as I said, hormonal birth control, you know, it can help and it does help because it can help balance the hormones. Just as many people find it doesn't help, but then it is a band-aid because once you stop, your PCOS will come up, come back. So yeah, that's where we're at with hormonal birth control. Yeah, and that's the one thing, you know, of the education part is sometimes we don't rely that, you know, when we take uh, birth control at a young age, uh, we do not realize the impact that it can have on our body later on. Um, and even even now, you know, I've had like three kids, like uh, I probably used the birth control pill for probably like 15 years overall when I was young up until like, you know, our my early 20s. Uh, then I stopped. Um, I met my husband. I was on birth control pill. I stopped. We we had you know our child, and it was perfectly okay. I went on to another birth control that was the coil. I removed it. I had a second child, and I went on to Mirena. Uh, I stopped it. I had Ines, my daughter, so the uh, my third child, and then after her. I went on to Mirena, I was not happy at all. Then I went on to a birth control pill and then I gained weight and I was so unhappy about that. Yeah. And and then I stopped and this is where my hormones went all over the place uh, for some reason. So it was not even like, you know, the first time when I stopped the birth control pill, but really at my uh, mid-30s, I was mid-30s, something like that, yes. Yeah. So Everything to, I mean, of this, what I was saying is just because we are not aware about the impact of the birth control pill. I understand that this can help, but also we are not being educated enough about the downside you know, of um, of it. You were talking about um, inflammation and um, insulin resistance. We are yep. hearing a lot about this. Um, could you explain us? What does it mean to have inflammation? How does it translate into our body? I mean, as women and insulin resistant as well, what does it mean and how does it translate to our body? Of course. So 
when we're talking about insulin resistance, uh, chronic inflammation, adrenal issues, uh, we're referring to you know what the PCOS community calls types of PCOS. Now, it's important if you're listening to this to understand that these aren't medically recognized. So if you go to your doctor and say, what type of PCOS do I have? Your doctor's going to say, there is no such thing as PCOS because medically there is no such thing as types of PCOS. I think these, these terms were made popular by Dr. Lara Bryden, who is a wonderful, uh, wonderful doctor. She posts a lot on social media. So I advise everyone to to go and follow her and also to buy her first book. I think it's called The Period Repair Manual. It's one of the first books I ever read on PCOS and it was just so enlightening. Um, and I think she coined the term, right? So we're talking, so one of the, the probably the hallmark hormonal imbalance of PCOS is high androgens. Uh, androgens are just a group of sex hormones. So the most commonly known uh, testosterone, you know, uh, DHEAS, uh, androstenedione, uh, dihydrotestosterone, DHT. But they're generally referred to as like male sex hormones because they're largely involved in, you know, um, male sex characteristics. So that is kind of the hallmark of PCOS. So high levels of androgen in the female systems. Symptoms that stand for that, as I said before, hirsutism, which is the excess growth of facial and body hair. We're talking about hair thinning or hair loss on the scalp. These two things can happen at the same time, which is devastating. We're talking about acne. We're talking about sleep troubles. We're talking about increased levels of depression, anxiety, mood disorders. All of these things stem from high levels of androgens. So when we're talking about types of PCOS, we are also another way to explain that is underlying causes that drive high androgens in the female system. As I mentioned just before, the most common one being insulin resistance. So insulin resistance will manifest over time. Uh, it leads to high levels of insulin and high levels of insulin causes the ovaries to overproduce testosterone, leading to a state of high androgens. Chronic inflammation as well. So when your when your body is chronically inflamed, that also causes the ovaries to overproduce testosterone, leading to a state of high androgens. And then the third one is uh, adrenal PCOS. So that isn't an ovarian problem. That's actually an adrenal problem where we're dealing with high levels of DHEAS, which is an adrenal androgen. So they are generally the three types of PCOS, insulin resistance being the far most common, uh, inflammatory PCOS and adrenal PCOS. But it doesn't have to be exclusively in one of those bu buckets. Um, you know, a, a woman can have shades of all of those types of PCOS. And if we're just talking about chronic inflammation, look, one of the most common causes of chronic inflammation is actually insulin resistance. So if you have insulin resistance, it's very likely you're also going to have chronic inflammation. But that's what we're talking about. These underlying condition, uh, which have a, each of those have a set of symptoms themselves. So if we're talking about insulin resistance, for example, you know, common symptoms of insulin resistance will be weight gain, uh, acanthosis nigricans, which is like the thickening and darkening of skin around the neck, around the armpits, the groins behind the knees. We're dealing with um, increased hunger, increased cravings, 
uh, poor sleep, insomnia, sleep apnea. So you've got all those symptoms of insulin resistance combined with all the symptoms of high androgens, also high androgens, sorry, that throws out the menstrual cycle. So we're talking about not having um, a menstrual cycle, not, not having a period. We're talking about polycystic ovaries on an ultrasound send from that. We're also talking about fertility issues. So you've got all these symptoms and issues from insulin resistance, all of these in issues from high androgens. And then we're also dealing with like sleep troubles, there's a bunch of symptoms that stem from not sleeping well. Then we're talking about, all right, I have all of these symptoms. So now my anxiety is through the roof, right? Now I'm depressed. So now we're talking about mental health. Now I'm stressed, high cortisol. We're dealing with another set of symptoms. So a, a way to think about PCOS is a condition that is like having multiple conditions at one time. All of these condition, conditions having a set of symptoms and then someone having this entire list of symptoms. So that's what we're talking about with these insulin resistance, uh, adrenal inflammatory, these types of PCOS that we're just talking about uh, underlying causes that can trigger high androgens in the female system. Mm. Um, when you talk about chronic inflammation, are we only talking about uh, acne or cystic acne, these kind of things? No, we're talking about, uh, so we're talking about systematic inflammation. So inflammation itself is life-saving, right? So when you fall over and bump, your, you know, if you ever scraped your knee and it gets that yucky pus and that scab, that's inflammation. That is your body fighting and protecting itself. So inflammation itself is your body's immune system, protecting your body, repairing your body. It's also why when you get the flu or when you get a cold, you often notice that you're fatigued and you're tired. That is because all of your body's resources are going to your immune system to fight the infection, right? That is inflammation. That is a great thing. With PCOS, though, we're talking about chronic. So chronic means long-term instead of short-term. It's not a couple of days. And we're also talking about systemic. So it's not just this scab on my knee. We're talking about the whole system. So symptoms that, are, uh, that can stem from uh, in inflammation is increased levels of belly fat gain, which we can get into later. That has a whole set of issues itself. You know, generally women store their weight around their hips, bum, thighs, but we see in PCOS, a lot of women storing more weight around the belly, the midsection. Uh, we're also dealing with worsening. Yeah. So here's the big thing, worsening insulin resistance. So chronic inflammation worsens insulin resistance. It also increases high androgens. So it just makes the hormonal aspects of PCOS even worse. It impacts your sleep. It impacts your mental health. So chronic inflammation in PCOS, chronic inflammation by itself is very hard to deal with. But when you have other underlying hormonal imbalances that chronic inflammation inflammation is making more severe, you're really, really struggling at that point. Mm, mm. I mean, as you can, I mean, what you were saying that everything is linked. So mm. uh, high level of insulin um, would also cause like inf uh, chronic inflammation. Um, so, yeah, I mean, listening to you, uh, 
I would imagine, I mean, I feel overwhelmed in the sense that there are so many symptoms, so many things happening, you know, like a cascade um, because of this, because of those like, um, you know, syndrome. It's, uh, I, I, I would, I cannot imagine you know, how a woman feeling all of this and didn't know would feel. Uh, maybe it's going to be like, and I really hope that's going to help like, you know, thousands or hundreds of thousands of women because we need to talk more about this and help them. Um, but this is so overwhelming. There's one thing like you were talking about, like the um, adrenal, adrenal. Yep. Adrenal PCOS. Yep. Yeah. Adrenal PCOS. What does it mean and how would would you identify it? Yeah, that's a really good point, actually. So adrenal PCOS is the other two types of PCOS, uh, inflammatory and insulin resistance. We're talking about high levels of ovarian androgen. So testosterone is largely produced by the ovaries. Uh, where adrenal PCOS, we're talking about high DHEAS, which is an androgen hormone, but it's produced by the adrenal glands and not the ovaries. So at the moment, we don't truly understand what is going on, but there's an issue between the brain, the adrenals, and the ovaries. There's an issue with that communication where the adrenals are producing too many androgen hormones. So again, we're dealing with the same set of symptoms. It's just the underlying cause is different. So it's an adrenal issue instead of uh, an insulin issue or an inflammatory issue. And that's really important to know because depending on what type of PCOS you have, that will depend, that will decide what the most effective treatment strategy will be for someone, right? And that's that's super important to know because if you're just doing the same thing someone else is doing. They might have a different set of underlying triggers for their PCOS. So what might be working for them may not work for you. But in terms of how do we um, how do we identify which bucket you may fall in? Insulin resistance, what you are, oh, and we should have talked about this before with your doctor. Your doctor is going to diagnose PCOS and medicate you and tell you to lose weight, right? They generally don't investigate further. So what I would advise everyone with PCOS is, try, you know, hopefully you can find a doctor that is willing and um, happy to help you investigate further. And that's important because, as I said before, once you understand your PCOS, then the treatment strategy becomes far more clearer. So with insulin resistance, you can it's not an easy test and there's no clear test for insulin resistance, but you can do things like a fasting glucose test with insulin or a H-O-M-A index test, and that will identify insulin resistance if you have insulin resistance or not. And that's very important. If you have insulin resistance, it's insulin resistant PCOS. If you're looking at inflammatory PCOS, or if you if you just want to know uh, what kind of inflammation is in your body, you want to test CRP, C-reactive protein. That is the ideal test uh, for inflammation in PCOS. And for adrenal PCOS, you want to be testing DHEAS levels, and you will generally not have insulin resistance if you have adrenal PCOS. So you will have no insulin resistance, but elevated DHEAS levels. You talked about adrenals. Yep. What are they? They're just an organ within the body that pump out 
mostly stress hormones. So when we're talking about stress hormones, we're talking about cortisol, uh, adrenaline, noradrenaline. They all come from your adrenal glands. So stress hormones are really important if we need them. So, you know, there's that prime example of, you know, let's say, you know, someone's, you know, robbing your house. You know, what are you going to do? Are you going to fight or are you going to flight? That's your stress hormones. That's your stress response. Your adrenals will release cortisol into the bloodstream. That will that pulls all the blood sugar into the bloodstream, and that allows you to take action. Whether you're going to fight or flight, it allows you to take action immediately. Wonderful, right? In the short term, if there's a tiger about to attack you, that is wonderful. What isn't wonderful is, again, one of the issues with modern society and one of the issues with PCOS is when that becomes chronic, right? So hormones naturally go up and down. That's very healthy for hormones to naturally go up and down. The issue with hormonal conditions and PCOS is when those hormones stay up or down long-term. So uh, with uh, adrenal PCOS, generally have high levels of DHEAS, and that is generally also correlated with high level, chronically high cortisol levels. So stress levels, right? So they've done studies where they found that women, a lot of women with PCOS will have chronically elevated cortisol or stress levels. So if you ever get that feeling of, you know, wired but tired, like there's just something not right in your gut, that's that stress response. But you're not, there's no reason to be stressed. So again, what are the some, some symptoms that stem for that? Asleep, like if you're stressed, if you ever stayed up all night stressed thinking about something, imagine that night after night, night after night, week after week. You're also dealing with appetite changes. Um, it releases blood sugar into the bloodstream. So it worsens the severity of insulin resistance. And another big hormonal imbalance that is related to uh, adrenal PCOS is high DHT. So DHT just stands for dihydrotestosterone. This is a, a form of testosterone that's five times more powerful than testosterone. And it is the leading cause of hair loss in PCOS. It is also why most men lose their hair over time, elevated DHT levels. Uh, it's also the cause of hirsutism, that growth of facial and body hair. Uh, so DHT is a really, really severe hormonal imbalance of PCOS that is closely related to high DHEAS, high cortisol, adrenal issue. This is so fascinating. Mm. <laughs> um, so, so interesting. So if, um, if I am diagnosed with PCOS, what are the key things that I should do? So as we just spoke about then before, investigate further. As I said before, you, your doctor's not going to do this, right? Your doctor's not going to, they don't believe in types of PCOS. So they're not going to investigate all this. Your doctor's just going to diagnose you with PCOS, either offer birth control and or metformin and tell you to lose weight and come back when you want to have a child. That's it, right? <laughs> Doesn't really help anyone. So what you want to do is you want to investigate further. So you want to find out, do I have insulin resistance? Do I have chronic inflammation? Do I have adrenal PCOS and adrenal? So you really want to be knowing all of these. You want to know, all right, PCOS is a condition of hormonal imbalances. 
but what hormones, right? We want to know what hormones are out of balance. There are so many hormones in the body. What hormones are we talking about? So we want to know this. And once you know that, then you can educate yourself, whether that's following pages like myself or following other pages, whether it's reading articles, listening to podcasts, and because the answers are out there. It's just, as you said before, this is very overwhelming. This is very confusing, right? All you need to do is this. I have PCOS. What type of PCOS do I have? And then you can start to filter through, all right, what are the best things I need to do for insulin-resistant PCOS? And there is a lot of information out there, right? And although it does sound overwhelming and confusing, once you narrow your focus, the steps actually do become very clear. Um, is there anything that you should eliminate when you have PCOS? Not just because you have PCOS, right? So just having a PCOS diagnosis doesn't mean you have to eliminate dairy, gluten, carbs. What else do we, what else what else is popular? Eating at a certain time, fasting is very popular, right? As I said about hormonal birth control, it's very important we don't pick sides, right? Things aren't black and white in the world. Things are a thousand shades of gray. So although you don't have to eliminate any foods, right? You don't have to eliminate dairy, gluten. You don't have to go keto. You don't have to do intermittent fasting. I'm also saying those things aren't bad for you. I know so many women with PCOS who went dairy-free and saw wonderful changes to their PCOS. Same with gluten-free, same with going keto, right? But when you identify what type of PCOS you have and you start to understand what different ways, what things help it. So let's talk about insulin resistance. So one of the best things you can do for insulin resistance is keep your blood sugar levels stable. So one of the best things you can do for that is to reduce your processed or added sugar intake. Now you could say eliminate it, right? It just depends on what, what psychology you have. Are you someone that likes to, all right, a lot of people do like those rules. All right, I'm not allowed to eat this and I'm not allowed to eat that, right? If I was thinking about, you know, obviously I don't have PCOS, but, you know, when I was really into my training, I was kind of like that, you know, all right, I'll eat this, this, and this. It just worked for me. But I also understand that for the next person, that may, you know, that may make you feel restricted and that may lead to binge eating, right? And, you know, I didn't mention that before, but rates of binge eating disorder are huge in PCOS. So you don't have to eliminate anything per se, but there are certain things you should minimize and maximize. That's kind of language I like to use. Minimize added sugar. Minimize white carbs. Maximize brown carbs. Um, you know, minimize skipping breakfast because it's not that great for you. Maximize having a protein source at every meal. I like to use that language better because it's it's It's, I think it's more accessible for the average person who wants to improve their PCOS, but still likely has a partner, has kids, you know, probably prepares the meals for the family, 
has, you know, goes to work, you know, you're around you, everyone's social food is a social thing. So you're going out like, so I just like to look at it better as all right, there are things I should minimize and maximize based on what type of PCOS I have, and they will massively help you improve your PCOS. Mm. What about if you have a chronic inflammation? What are the things that you should minimize or maximize? Chronic inflammation, you should, let's talk about maximize first, because that's probably more exciting for most people. Uh, I used to do videos on TikTok, like five foods to minimize and maximize for PCOS. And the most common comment was everything on that minimize list is my favorite thing in the world. So I always used to feel bad because I'd be saying like minimize iced coffee. If you ever look at like those, um, like those packaged iced coffees, they have like 50 grams of sugar in them. That's what I'm saying. Like check that stuff out. Minimize added sugar, right? Iced coffees, energy drinks, all the stuff when you realize a lot of people live on that stuff. So with chronic inflammation, some of the most common causes of chronic inflammation are alcohol, processed sugar, smoking, not getting enough sleep, um, a bad diet. So lots of um, lots of takeaway, uh, not exercising enough. So those are the things I would minimize, maximize though, walking, incredible. Weight training, incredible. Having a sleep routine, right? So going to bed at the same time and waking up at the same time each day, incredible. Having cold showers. So not entirely cold, as cold as you can manage in the morning, incredible. Getting uh, sunlight during the day, if that's possible. I always, when I make posts saying getting sunlight, I always get someone from Norway saying, I haven't seen the sun for three months. So how am I supposed to do that? But also, um, you know, whole foods. So quinoa, spinach, broccoli, cruciferous vegetables, um, salmon, chia seeds, flax seeds, turmeric, cinnamon, ginger, omega-3s, all of these things can hugely improve uh, and lower inflammation levels. This morning, um, I had a run before uh, our, um, our Zoom call. And I was like, okay, so I need to ask him why work and not running. Why? Because I feel like, for instance, you know, for me, when I run, I'm able to eliminate toxin because I am sweating. Um, I can probably um, strengthen, you know, my legs. So why working and not running? Why um, doing some uh, uh, weight training, for instance, like? Can you explain like what would be the downside of running? Um, I would understand that would this cause maybe some stress on the body, but I believe that there would be like other reason why you would advise walk and weight training. Uh, firstly, there is absolutely nothing wrong with running, right? I hate the notion you know, and I do, even though I don't follow other PCOS pages, I do see it often talked about that, like, you have to do workouts slow and running is bad for you. Look, running a marathon every day is probably bad for you, but unless you're a 
Kenyon, you're probably not doing that. Running is amazing, amazing for your mental health, amazing for your cardiovascular fitness, right? It's just probably not acceptable, uh, accessible to most people unless you're already physically fit, right? A lot of people can't run. You know, I know myself, I love running like you. I go to the gym six days a week and the last 25 minutes of every session is running, right? I don't run for all that. I walk for two minutes and then I run for a minute. Love it. I get off that treadmill, I'm sweating, but I feel fantastic, right? It's just probably not accessible to most people, but it is fantastic. It's fantastic for your hormones. There's obviously, uh, you can do too much of it, but no one's running too much, right? In terms of walking, so if we backtrack a little bit, uh, PCOS is a hormonal condition. Exercise changes our hormonal state, which means we can use exercise as a tool to improve our PCOS. In terms of what the science shows us as the most effective for the PCOS hormonal state, it is weight training and walking. And here's why. Weight training massively improves insulin, insulin resistance, massively decreases androgen levels. So when we know that these are the two hallmark hormonal imbalances driving PCOS, if we can do some weights and it reduces that, it's going to hugely improve your PCOS. So weight training is amazing. It also has like body composition benefits, makes you feel a sense of accomplishment. It's quite easy to do compared to running. You know, if you tell someone to go for a 15-minute run to doing some dumbbell curls, it's far easier. So weight training is amazing because it improves our hormonal state perfectly for what someone with PCOS needs. We're talking about insulin and androgens. How how does it impact on insulin and androgens? Yeah, so it, it reduces it. So weight training increases insulin sensitivity. So insulin resistance is basically where the cells of your body um, stop reacting to insulin as they should. So if you think about the cells of your body as like this container, right? This is a cell of your body. Insulin is like the is like my hand. It opens the cell and allows nutrients to enter that cell so your body can actually function. So what happens with insulin resistance is this door becomes stuck and now I can't open it. So now the cell is starving and I've got all this buildup of nutrients in my bloodstream, right? So that's why it leads to high levels of insulin and high levels of blood sugar. And also what happens with insulin resistance, this cell that is now starving, that sends signals to my brain to increase hunger, which is why uh, increased hunger and cravings is so common in PCOS. And what happens when you're starving? You have no energy. So it's also sending signals to the brain that you have no energy. So even though you're eating exactly the same as everyone else, the cells of your body are actually starving. So that's why, and that all of those uh, nutrients that are in the bloodstream now get pushed towards the fat cells. And that's why someone with PCOS uh, and insulin resistance can gain weight easily because instead of your body utilizing the nutrients and energy from your diet, now it's just storing it as body fat. It leaves your body actually starving. So what weight training does 
it fixes this. It improves your insulin sensitivity again. So it perfectly opens that up. Insulin's working fine. Nutrients are getting in. Insulin resistance is improving. And as I mentioned before, one of the well, the most common cause uh, trigger of high testosterone is insulin resistance. So by improving insulin resistance, you are also lowering testosterone levels. So that is why weight training is so beneficial because it directly improves the core reason, the core trigger of PCOS. And in terms of walking, Walking is what I like to refer to as restorative exercise. So the goal with walking isn't to get huffy and puffy and sweaty. It's You're not going for a run. You're out there to improve your mental health. It does burn calories. If you go for a, you, if you try, one of the best goals you can do with PCOS is try to get 10,000 steps in. You're burning a lot of calories, but it's not the main thing. So it's great for your mental health decreases depression, decreases anxiety, allows you to think things, especially if you can get out in nature. It also improves your hormonal state. So it decreases cortisol. It regulates blood sugar levels. So as I said before, PCOS being a hormonal condition, and we know exercise can improve our hormonal state. We can use exercise to improve PCOS. And once we understand how PCOS, we can look and choose what X types of exercise are most effective for PCOS. So if I was going to tell someone what is an ideal workout strategy for PCOS, I would say four to five weight training sessions a week, three to four walks a week, ideally outside, and one to two runs a week. Like that would be amazing. If you could fit that in, that is your exercise side of your treatment ticked off. And this has also an impact on the androgens. Directly, yes. Amazing. Um, so, uh, yeah, so we're talking like in our exercises, um, uh, what we should maximize, what we should minimize um, as well. Um, why would a PCOS person or have, I, I don't know if, you know, I, I don't like like this or... Uh, Uh, this way of of saying things, but why would someone who has PCOS would be tired all the time? Yeah, so as I just mentioned, one of the core reasons is in insulin resistance. Okay. So the energy from your food not actually getting into the cells of your body, so your cells, so your body is essentially starving. It is tired, right? So that leads to to tiredness. Also, when we're talking about uh, energy levels. Other hormones can impact it, right? So estrogen's a big one. So if you have dysregulated estrogen levels, that can directly impact your energy and also your mood. So we're talking about, you know, energy and mood. You, you mentioned before about how everything's connected. It's so true. It's like if you're super tired, you're not likely also going to be in an excited mood, are you, right? It all combines, right? So if you're really, your body is very tired, you're likely to be in a tired mood as well and vice versa. So if someone has insulin resistance, chronic inflammation, I also mentioned poor sleep, right? So sleep is hugely impacted with PCOS. So um, 
you know, if you have one bad night's sleep, it's going to in- impact your energy levels the next night. But if you've had years of bad sleeping, it's going to massively impact it. So, and also, yeah, so I mentioned estrogen. So irregular periods then impact estrogen and progesterone levels. That directly impacts mood and energy levels. So when you combine all of these factors, insulin resistance, chronic inflammation, poor sleep, irregular periods, not to mention uh, increased stress and anxiety of your PCOS, combine all those in a little ball and mash them up, that leads to chronic fatigue and tiredness. Yeah. What, what, um, so you, you also talking on some of your videos about, um, uh, vitamin D, zinc, spinach, quinoa, chicken breast, other, um, food or supplements or vitamins, you know, that, that can help. What are the impacts of them, um, into PCOS? Hugely. If you've ever, You know, in terms of, like, let's talk about diet for a second, because most of those things are connected to diet. Vitamin D, not necessarily. Uh, quickly on vitamin D, vitamin D deficiency is anywhere from 67 to 85% of PCOS have vitamin D deficiency, which is directly correlated with insulin resistance. So if you're vitamin D, in terms of the pathophysiology, they don't understand what's the chicken and what's the egg there, but there's a direct correlation. So if you're vitamin D deficient, you're likely to be insulin resistant. And the more deficient you are in vitamin D, the more severe your insulin resistance will be, which means the more severe your symptoms will be. So vitamin D deficiency is a huge issue in PCOS. Again, Right. And this is again different to insulin resistance, high androgen, high cortisol. This is, but this is so common. As I mentioned, 80% of women with PCOS have vitamin D deficiency. You're talking about um, constant infections. You're talking about headaches. You're talking about chronic fatigue. You're talking about sleep insomnia. All of these issues stem just from vitamin D deficiency. As I mentioned, insulin resistance. So, um, one of the, uh, I made a video maybe last month talking about, Um, like fundamental supplements for PCOS that every woman with PCOS should take every single day. And they were vitamin D, magnesium, and zinc because they are like three fundamental. If you're getting adequate levels of those on a daily basis, they are going to make a huge difference to your PCOS. And the others I was speaking about, you know, the quinoa, the spinach, we're talking about, um, as I mentioned with exercise, PCOS being hormonal, Uh, exercise being able to change your hormones for better or worse, diet is, diet is exactly the same. PCOS is a hormonal. Food isn't just calories and food isn't just taste. Have to understand that the foods we eat have an impact on our body for the good or for the bad, right? I would bet my house that if you went and ate McDonald's for the next month, you are just not going to feel that healthy, right? We all know it. Like you eat, you know, junk food, fast food. It might taste nice in the time, but then you wake up the next morning like, oh, like I just don't feel that great. You know what I mean? So you're looking at 
most of your diet, you know, because we still have to enjoy food, you're still probably going to go out to eat with friends and family and social events. So I'm not telling you that you can never eat out or you can never have takeaway. I just like to use the 80-20 rule. 80% of the food you put on your mouth is good for you, is wholesome, is full of the nutrients your body and your PCOS need. So we're talking about great protein sources, chicken breast, turkey breast, lean cuts of beef. We're talking about fish, fatty fish and white fish are amazing. Eggs are amazing. You're talking about a low GI carbohydrates. Easy way to think of it, swap white carbs for brown carbs, sweet potato, brown bread if you like bread, um, brown rice, all of these foods that yeah probably don't taste as nice, but for our body, so much better. Vegetables to me, eat as many vegetables as you like. Same with fruits. You know, with PCOS, there's a lot of people that say fruits full of sugar, so you shouldn't eat it. Oh, what a load of BS that is. Fruits are amazing. You know, I read a study this morning about quercetin, which is an active compound in apples and green tea and red wine, and how that can hugely improve insulin resistance, right? Just a little bundle of joy from God put in apples, right? So enjoy your fruit, enjoy your vegetables, try and choose low GI carbohydrates that have a less of an impact on your blood sugar levels. Um, have some healthy fats in there. Extra virgin olive oil, avocado, walnuts are amazing. Um, uh, you know, all of these healthy fats, chia seeds, flax seeds are amazing. The amount of benefits from chia seeds and flax seeds, pumpkin seeds, combine all them, high, good quality protein. That diet alone can have a huge impact on your PCOS. Right, some downsides to that though, because I do like to be the yin and yang, is yes, it is likely going to be more expensive than eating junk. Right. And that is a big issue. And that's because that everything I just mentioned is actual food. What most what most people eat because it's cheap, right? Because that's what we have to do to provide for our families, is man-made. You're talking about sausages, pasta, rice, microwave dinners, that ain't food, right? That is man-made imitations of food that does probably taste better, but it has no nutrients that our body actually needs. If there's one thing get through about nutrition is, as I said before, food isn't just calories. It isn't just taste. It is goodness for our body. You want to be feeding your body goodness instead of junk. Um, we were at a dinner with some friends. I can't remember who it was, but, and we we're talking about um, uh, some of the junk food and French fries that we uh, could find there and saying that, you know, they were the best French fries ever. But actually some studies, you know, find out that those French fries had nothing to do with potatoes. Um, and uh, they were just like, um, I think, things put together uh, that had good taste with probably a lot of sugar and other things, but had very little to do with potatoes, uh, where I found a bit like horrifying. Um, but as you said, you know, I mean, they're 
the junk food nor is also able to provide food to some people because it's it's cheap. It might not be like the best food um, to help our body to function properly. Um, the other thing that I wanted to uh, go back to, I mean, you didn't mention it here, but on one of the videos was that jasmine rice had a higher level of GI than basmati or uh, brown rice. Um, and I first, I didn't know that different rice had different kind of GI and therefore had an impact on uh, probably their insulin resistance because rice, you know, provide a lot of, um, has a form of sugar uh, as well. Yeah. So obviously there are different types of rice. Um, jasmine rice being the most fluffiest, whitest, tastiest rice there is. This is what I'm saying. This is why I don't like to demonize like all of this food because I completely understand no one's going to eat perfect all of the time, right? We still, we like to eat, even me, I like to eat a donut every now and again. I just choose that 80% of my food is good for me, but that's what I don't want to tell people you can never eat this. So you can never have, I don't want to suck the fun out of life for people, right? It's just about making informed decisions about what's going to be better for you and your PCOS. So GI rating just stands for glycemic index. And it basically just means what, um, what impact this food is going to have on my blood sugar levels. So you want as low of a GI score as possible because the lower the GI score, the lower the blood sugar spike, and therefore the lower the insulin spike, right? So just think of this. If you have PCOS, high GI isn't great for you. Low GI is better. So in terms of rice, uh, jasmine rice has a GI score of around 95, which is very high. Basmati rice, I believe, is 55, so half as much. Uh, brown rice is even less than that. I'm not exactly sure what brown rice, but I think brown rice might be in the 40s. So it just means that even though jasmine rice is fluffier and tastier and it's like very common in Indian cuisine because it's just a, I think it's probably easy to cook it. It just tastes nicer. It's just not, it's not the best option. So I just like to give people the informed decision. So What's taste? What's going to taste the nicest? Probably the jasmine. But what's the best for you and your PCOS? It's going to be the brown or the basmati. And that's the thing. Just making those simple swaps. All right, instead of having jasmine, I'm going to have basmati. If you're just making a bunch of those little swaps, because we're not good at making huge holistic changes to our lifestyle. But if you can just make a few small changes, it can honestly lead to huge results over time. Yeah, I mean, I, um, when I, this, what you're saying is not to make like big changes. It's also, there is a book that I read called Tiny Habits. And, yep. um, and basically what I can't remember, like the author, to be honest. Um, but what he was saying was like by doing like little, tiny things you no know, every day this is, and I was talking to my husband as well, like a few days ago, is it will help you more in the long run than if you do like big changes and then, you know, you're feeling restricted or frustrated and there like you would um, go back to your uh, uh, old habits. Um, just to go back to the rice, because at some point uh, when I was doing like this uh, diet to 
balance my hormones. Um, uh, I, there was one of the recipes with black rice. So I believe that black rice has also probably like a very low GI um, than, you know, jasmine or even basmati or, or brown rice. I'm, I don't know if. Yeah. That would be like one of the reasons that they would advise um, black rice. Yeah, look, it's mostly to do with the GI rating. Um, as I mentioned before, if you're talking about just like healthy habits and just being aware of what you're putting in your mouth and understanding different foods will have different consequences for my body, it's just one of those good habits, like just making small decisions that are that are better for you. One, you have to be informed to know what those decisions are. But And then two, it's like, all right, constantly making a better decision for myself. So, yeah, like jasmine rice tastes great, but it's just not great for me. So when you're at the uh, supermarket the next time, you see all these rices, black rice, um, brown rice, basmati, long grain basmati, um, jasmine. Just if you're doing what you – if you want to improve your PCOS, you know which one to choose. Mm. Now, I mean, now the audience know would be more conscious about probably like their choice now into uh, into rice. Um, um, we talked about food. We talked about like hormones. Um, there's another aspect of PCOS is the behavior. Uh, we talked a bit about like mental health as well, but in terms of uh, be- behavior. Um, what I need to note and that I discovered like through your videos, because again, they are super educational. So, I mean, I would advise everyone to go onto your page and we'll mention it, you know, um, towards the end of our episode. Um, but what would someone with PCOS be more angry or more anxious than anyone else? Great point. So let's talk about mental health or PCOS because anger, sadness, anxiety, depression, they all fall into mental health. So rates of uh, anxiety and depression are far greater in the PCOS group compared to those without PCOS. So the last study I read was anxiety rates were 41%. Depression rates were 36%, which is significantly higher than those without PCOS, right? And those numbers themselves are like 41%. That's nearly every second person with PCOS has anxiety. 36% is literally every third person has depression. Like, it's crazy. And we're in 2023 now. So we understand mental health is real, right? This isn't the 1990s where it's like, ah, mental health. What's that? Just get better. Just cheer up, right? We understand that, um, you know, mental health is as real as having a broken arm, right? If you have a broken arm and a cask, people feel sorry for you. Oh, what happened? We also understand that depression and anxiety, these things are real and they're they're massive. So there are currently two trains of thought of how PCOS uh, impacts mental health. And the actual answer is likely to be a combination of both. The first one is the direct way that hormonal imbalances will change your brain chemistry, right? So hormonal imbalance like um, insulin resistance, high androgens, cortisol can directly imbalance serotonin and dopamine levels. A, a quick way I like to explain this is one of the, the core hallmarks or hormonal 
uh, imbalance of PCOS is high androgens. If we look at other societal groups, we can actually find an example, and that's men, male bodybuilders who are taking steroids to get bigger. So when we're just, you know, uh, stereotyping a man taking steroids to get bigger, what are some of the things we, we, we think? We think angry, acne, pimples, losing their hair. But doesn't that kind of translate to what PCOS is? Anger issues, hair loss, acne, things like this. And that's because with PCOS, we're dealing with high levels of androgens. Bodybuilders who take steroids are injecting androgens, right? It's the same hormonal difference. So one of the most common things you think about is roid rage, right? It does. And that's because high levels of androgens directly impact your mental health. It impacts your brain chemistry. So it does lead to increased anger, increased um, competitiveness, so that's the, the first way PCOS can impact someone's mental health and make them feel angry, sad, anxious, depressed, is it is a physical chemical imbalance of your brain chemistry due to these hormonal imbalances. Our body, our mind, it is all connected. It is all one. The second way is living with PCOS symptoms is bloody hard, right? If you're talking about PCOS symptoms, we're talking about infertility, unexplained weight gain, hair growth on your face, hair loss on your head, acne, increased hunger, right? Increased cravings, not being able to get a good night's sleep, being constantly tired and fatigued. These are not symptoms anybody wants to live with. So if you list down these symptoms of PCOS and say, would you be happy to live with this? Or would this make you sad? Everyone's going to say, well, that's, that would make me sad. So not only is there an actual brain imbalance, but living with the symptoms of PCOS is bloody difficult and it can be depressing and it can make you anxious and it can get you down at times. So when you combine those two things, that is why it is uh, very common for someone with PCOS to be feeling anxious, feeling depressed, feeling angry, feeling alone. Yeah, that's make, that makes totally sense. Um, we talked about how to reverse uh, <clears throat> androgens, uh, insulin resistance. Um, one other point that you've just men mentioned is an infertility. Um, when you're able to manage your PCOS and to reduce their symptoms, does it give you... Um, the possibility to get pregnant more easily or would you still have some challenges and or, or, or how would you need to deal you know if you want to get pregnant it can yes yeah. so we've got to understand that not every woman with pcos will have fertility struggles but it is very common right and it is common because you're not ovulating regularly. So if you're not having a regular menstrual cycle, it's very likely you're not ovulating regularly. And if we think about the menstrual cycle, estrogen, follicle stimulating hormone, luteinizing hormone, ovulation, progesterone, if you're not ovulating, you can't fall pregnant because that egg's not releasing into the fallopian tube there, you know, and then sexual intercourse just becomes about fun and not reproducing. But uh, if we understand how PCOS blocks ovulation, right? 
So the menstrual cycle starts with high levels of follicle-stimulating hormone sending down from the brain to the ovaries, stimulates follicles to start to grow. One follicle will become dominant. That dominant follicle is releasing estrogen. As it grows, the level of estrogen in your system is growing. Your brain is constantly feeding back on that. So when estrogen levels are rising, it's releasing less and less follicle-stimulating hormone because it's like, well, this, this, this follicle is growing. We don't need to stimulate anymore. When estrogen levels reach a certain point, your brain sends down a surge of a luteinizing hormone, and that's what stimulates ovulation. Your egg is released into the fallopian tube. That egg uh, left over becomes what's called the corpus luteum. That is your source of progesterone, which is why after ovulation, progesterone levels increase. Uh, if there's no... Uh, if nothing happens, estrogen and progesterone fall away, uh, your uterine lining falls away, and that's what your period is. What we see in PCOS is, is though, instead of high levels of follicle-stimulating hormone at the start of the cycle, we see high levels of luteinizing hormone at the start of the cycle. So instead of multiple follicles starting to mature, but then one fully maturing, when they when these multiple follicles are starting to mature, they stop. Right, it's called follicular arrest. They stop there, right? And that is actually what polycystic ovaries on an ultrasound image. That is what you're seeing. You're seeing those multiple follicles arrested in there in a semi-mature state. That means one follicle isn't fully maturing into ovulation, which means you are not ovulating. If you're not ovulating, you can't fall pregnant naturally. But what we know of this high luteinizing hormone is that is the result of most commonly high androgens and high insulin. And it also actually, this is why it's a vicious cycle, this one, high androgen leads to high LH, but then as a feedback, high LH drives higher androgen levels. So it just makes itself worse. But if you get your insulin resistance under control, if you get your androgen levels down, your luteinizing hormone levels will naturally decrease, which will allow follicle-stimulating hormone to do what it needs to do, which can regulate ovulation. And then you are giving yourself the best chance to conceive naturally. Now, you know, some women may still have um, challenges conceiving naturally, but the vast majority of women with PCOS who are struggling to, to conceive due to their PCOS will significantly improve their chances by improving the hormonal imbalances of PCOS. Once a woman finds out that she has PCOS and she is working around it to uh, improve the condition or reduce the, the condition, how long does it take for her to go back to a kind of um, more normal uh, uh, level of insulin, um, uh, I would say, I don't know if you can say that, but level of inflammation or, or, or level of hormones and go back to a normal uh, cycle. How long does it take? It's going to be different for everyone. You know, just as we could take 10 people and line them up on a track and say, run 100 meters. Some people are going to be fast. Some people are going to be slow. So it's going to be different for everyone. And also is going to be determined on what is your actual treatment plan. 
Just because someone is trying to improve their PCOS doesn't necessarily mean they're doing the best things for them, right? They might be doing what everyone else is doing, which mightn't be specific to them. But let's say someone has the right plan, right? Someone knows they have insulin-resistant PCOS, so they're looking at lower GI carbohydrates, they're having uh, good quality protein, so they're looking after their food, they're doing some weight training, they're walking, uh, they're focusing on a, a sleep routine, and let's say they're taking a few supplements that are great for insulin resistance. I would say three to six months before everything can start to balance out. So um, sy symptoms like mood, energy levels, sleep, they can start improving from the first few weeks, most definitely. But other symptoms like like truly achieving a regular menstrual cycle month after month, uh, seeing a significant reduction in facial hair growth or seeing a significant uh, improvement in hair growth on the head, they can take three to six months. But if you're following the right plan, three to six months, you can see significant improvements to your PCOS. So there is a way out. There is, um, this can improve, you know, the condition, the life can improve if they have the right plan into place. Hugely. Look, if you do follow my PCOS plan, you'll see that. My, not my PCOS plan, sorry. My my, um, my social medias. Massively. Like PCOS is a confusing condition and it can seem like it's helpless when you haven't been told all of these things. But with the right changes, you can actually be undiagnosed of PCOS. Right. So as I mentioned before, when you're diagnosed with PCOS, you have to meet two or three criteria. I know many women that no longer meet those two or three criteria. So their doctors basically say, well, you don't have PCOS. That's not to say they're cured and it's gone away. It's just going to say they have significantly improved their hormonal and clinical um, features of their PCOS. So it's in remission. So although it can be confusing and complicated and overwhelming. I want everyone to know that with the right plan, and when I talk about the right plan, I'm not saying you don't have to do anything crazy. It's making those small changes we've spoken about here today. You can make huge changes to your PCOS. Now, I'm not saying it's cured and it's gone for good. You will always have to make, you know, constantly make the right decisions for you. But if you do, yes, I mean, you can you can get on top of your PCOS. After you've been, um, or, you know, your previous career, I'm going to say like being a personal trainer, helping women, uh, and helping women with PCOS in the, uh, exercise plan, doing meal plans, uh, being, um, I don't know, passionate about PCOS and doing all the researches, um, you you have decided or you had decided to create a healthy PCOS that is a company or that is your company developing and designing supplements for women with PCOS and helping them. Am I correct? That is true. Yes. Yeah, so Healthy PCOS is a PCOS specific supplement company. Uh, the reason why we sell supplements is in a previous life, when I was a personal trainer, I developed meal and training programs for people. I built that out to, at its peak, we had about three and a half thousand clients and writing meal plans for three and a half thousand people every week is very stressful. 
But also, <laughs> in terms of the, the treatment for PCOS, there are many, many supplements that have been shown to significantly improve PCOS. So uh, supplements should and could be part of a PCOS uh, overall plan, right? I don't want anyone to think that if I take this, I don't have to do anything else, right? I want you to be eating well. I want you to be moving your body. I want you to be um, reducing stress where possible. I want you to be focusing on sleep quality. But also a huge part of it can be supplements, which are wonderful because they're they're natural alternative to medications, right? So, but again, there are probably maybe 15 to 20 supplements because I read the research papers every day there are 15 to 20 supplements that have been shown to be significantly helpful for PCOS. The trick is they're helpful for different aspects of PCOS. So again, you want to only be taking supplements specific to your PCOS because there is every chance you take a supplement because you heard it's great, but it's actually not going to help you or your PCOS. So the wonderful news is there are many supplements that have been shown to help PCOS. And the truth of it is supplements are easier to do than to change your diet. I want you to be eating well, but taking a pill is easier than eating chicken and broccoli a few times a day. That you should do them as a holistic plan. Like anything though, make sure you're only taking supplements that are going to help you and your specific PCOS. And one of the things I like to do, I like to research. So I like to release supplements that are backed by the research. And then with our posts, I also like to educate people on, all right, this supplement has been shown to be helpful for this aspect of PCOS. So if you have that aspect of PCOS, this supplement may be helpful for you. Um, when we go onto your uh, website to get some supplements, I mean... Are there, how, how would I know which supplements to, 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 to get from you? So we're making holistic changes to our website at the moment to make that exactly thing, that exact thing far more easier. But what I would say, and I truly advise everyone to do that, is before you go out and buy a supplement, whether it's from us or from anywhere, talk to someone. So I have an entire support team, all women with PCOS, feel free to send us an email or a message on Facebook and Instagram and chat to us first, right? Tell us about your PCOS. Tell us about your history. Tell us about your goals. Tell us about what type of PCOS you have. And then we could be like, all right, well, because of this, I think A and B would be perfect for you. Give them a try. Instead of you going onto the website, I think we have maybe 25 products or something like that. It can be very confusing. So have a chat to us first. And uh, we'll advise you on what will likely be the best for you. Yeah, that's amazing because indeed sometimes it can be confusing or overwhelming and we don't really know what kind of supplements not to, uh, to take. And we would take the wrong one or the wrong doses as well. Um, you talk a lot about berberine. What is oh, yeah. it? Uh, honestly, at the moment, apart from, uh, so we have a, a PCOS multivitamin called Balance. That would be my favorite all time because it's a bunch of ingredients all in one. But yeah, Berber in the, this last 12 months, because I'm someone that likes to read the research, there's been so much research into Berber in the last 12 months. 
Yeah, it's becoming my favorite supplement for PCOS. So berberine is a, it comes from, it's a plant ex, extract. Um, the plant is generally barberry or tree turmeric. That's where um, berberine comes from. So it's just a plant compound. They just extract it, put it into a, a pill or a tablet. In terms of PCOS, right? So as I said, most of the issues with PCOS come from insulin resistance at its core. Berberin has been shown to significantly improve insulin resistance. And actually, there's only three, four, there's only four supplements that have been shown to directly reduce um, body weight. And uh, berberin specifically reduces belly fat, which as we've spoken about before, belly fat worsens insulin resistance. It worsens chronic inflammation. It then for it therefore increases androgen. So if you can reduce belly fat, amazing. So berberin is actually the only supplement that I've found through the research to directly reduce visceral body fat, which is the belly fat. There was also a, a research paper done late last year, late 2020, where they took three groups. Group A took metformin, which is a insulin sensitizing drug. So it's a medication. Group B took myo-inositol and group three took berberin. And they compared those three treatments for PCOS. Berberin was found to be more effective than metformin and myo-inositol for clinical, hormonal, and metabolic aspects of PCOS. All that means, berberin outperformed metformin and myo-inositol for improving PCOS. And in terms of just purely anecdotal uh, evidence, so just feedback I hear. And if anyone, you know, I talk about berberin on posts on, on, on our social media. So if you ever want to just um, go to one of those posts, read the comments, because we generally get a lot of comments. Read the comments where people share their experience. experience. Berberin is by far the most well-tolerated and effective supplements based on people's opinions, right? And these are all women with PCOS. The feedback is overwhelmingly positive, which is interesting because as I said before, PCOS is very individual, right? So how one woman's PCOS works isn't going to be the same as the other. So that's why like things like inositol will work amazing for one person, but the next person, it doesn't really help. And the next person, it actually worsens their anxiety, right? Generally very well tolerated uh, inositol. But more than any other, the only one other one close would be like spearmint tea. But berberin is got the best feedback. So yeah, that's why I love berberin at the moment. Anecdotal evidence is amazing. And the amount of positive research coming about it, especially when you compare it to metformin, which is you know one of the most commonly prescribed medications for PCOS. So literally an insulin sensitizing medication is very, very promising. So berberine comes from a plant. It's a plant extract, yeah. So the plants are, uh, I think they're barberry, tree turmeric, or what's the last one? Uh, Oregon grape. Okay. And because um, I've never heard about berberine before. Um, yeah, it's not very well known. No, indeed. And uh, you're probably the first person who I'm, I'm hearing it uh, about or from. Um, and you talked about uh, uh, inositol. 
Inositol, yep. okay. And NAC, what what are they? What do they do? Where do they come from? What can be the positive impact on someone with PCOS? So I would generally classify berberin, inositol, and NAC as all part of the same type of supplement. The main mechanism of action is improved insulin resistance, right? So all of those work similarly. Uh, similarly. So I wouldn't really say take all three combined, right? You can, but they kind of all do the same thing. Berberin works better than both, uh, according to the latest research. It also has the added benefit of uh, directly reducing belly fat, which is why I love it, because weight loss is a, a big goal for most with PCOS. Uh, inositol is the most well-researched supplement for PCOS. It is also the most widely known supplement for PCOS, again, because of its the amount of research done behind it. So there's no other supplement with the same amount of research, positive research as well. Again, that's because a lot of PCOS is rooted in insulin resistance and inositol improves insulin resistance. Um, you can get two forms of inositol supplements, straight myo-inositol, or you can get a combination of myo and D-chiro. Both forms of inositol supplements have been shown to be beneficial. Um, inositol is also very effective for fertility outcomes. So um, it's also safe while you're pregnant, safe while you're breastfeeding, where berberine shouldn't be taken at either of those times in your life. So inositol, most well-researched, um, most evidence-backed, because it does have the most amount of research behind it, and most popular supplement for PCOS. But the, 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 sorry, this is a, a synthetic one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So it is, um, it is a a, a vitamin-like substance. So a lot of people uh, confuse it for vitamin B8. It's not vitamin B8. It's actually a naturally forming sugar. So if you ever actually have the inositol powder and taste it, it has a slight sugary uh, taste. So it's a naturally forming sugar, uh, mostly found in citrus uh, fruits. So things like cantaloupe is where you would find cantaloupe, uh, which is what, what do we call cantaloupe? Rock melon is what we call cantaloupe in Australia. That is, uh, but citrus fruits is where you would find the foods with the most amount of naturally occurring inositol. And the last one you mentioned was NAC, which stands for N-acetylcysteine. And that is created from the amino acid L-cysteine. So again, NAC's main benefit is improved insulin resistance. Uh, it also has a, an additional benefit. It is a natural anti-inflammatory. So again, if you can improve insulin resistance and chronic inflammation at one, do it. So NAC is amazing for that. NAC is also been shown to be very effective for improving fertility outcomes. Um, it's probably one of the the best. For, if your goal is fertility, I would say like vitamin D. And NAC would be the most effective supplements for doing this. Um, and it is also safe while you're pregnant and while you're breastfeeding. Dosages anywhere from 500 milligrams a day to 1.5 grams a day. Just quickly, myo-inositol should be three to four grams a day, so about a teaspoon a day. And berberin anywhere from 500 to 1.5 grams a day. But with berberin, I would just stick at 500 milligrams a day. Super effective. So that's berberin, myo-inositol, and N-acetylcysteine. 
And all of those, we can find it on uh, healthypsos.com. Yeah, yeah. So all of the most effective supplements uh, we stock due to their the research. The one that I'm most excited about at the moment that we don't stock, but I've actually got a formulation uh, in creation. Uh, and this, this is one that's uh, coming out at the moment is resveratrol. So resveratrol is a plant compound often found on this, the skin of red grapes. Huge benefits for PCOS. So again, um, the last study I read, it significantly reduced insulin resistance and androgen levels in PCOS. So I'm creating, I won't tell you the formula at the moment, but yeah, resveratrol is uh, one supplement that we don't stock that I am looking at stocking due to the amount of positive research behind it. Um, resveratrol is also a very well-known uh, ingredients in, um, in skincare. Um, oh, okay. There is a yeah. There is a because it's um, an antioxidant. Yes. Um, so it would help to resurface. I mean, probably like the the skin, but also uh, uh, reduce uh, fine lines, wrinkles, um, aging um, signs. And uh, and I discovered this ingredients through a French company called Codali. And Caudalie is a French skincare brand. Everything they are developing is from um, the um, grapes. So the the grape seeds, the grape skin, as you were saying, uh, the grape water as well. um, And they are based in France and they are like amazing, amazing products. Wow, probably far more healthier than just drinking five bottles of wine a day, eh? <laughs> yes, probably. <laughs> <laughs> That's Not as for fun, sure. but <laughs> yeah. better for us. But healthier. <laughs> yeah. So, um, Drew, we are getting to the end of this episode. And for me, it was not episode, but more like a masterclass uh, with all this knowledge that you shared with us. And I'm so grateful now for, for that. Um, but as we, this is also a podcast now about beauty. I mean, how do you look after yourself, Drew? Uh, I'm actually, so one thing, I'm about to turn 35. So I actually do... I've started taking uh, finasteride, which has a DHT in it, because I'm starting to lose my hair. So I want to. I'm, I'm growing my hair, as you can see. I'm trying, I'm trying to look like Thor, the superhero at the moment. Um, I've always been into the gym. I think it's important to be physically fit, physically healthy. So I do weight training six days a week. Uh, I do cardio. Uh, so I like to stay physically healthy. I like to eat as healthy as I can because I know how important that is to. You know, I'm a man, but my hormonal health. Um, and also, I, I have a skincare routine every single day. So I have a vitamin C serum, hyaluronic acid, which I don't exactly know what it does, but it does make my skin feel really good. And actually, I'd like to ask you this. Um, what do, I have a moisturizer and then I have a toning mist I use. So I do that morning and night. And I don't know why, but if I don't do that for a couple of days, the skin under my beard starts to get like itchy and scaly. So I have to do it. I don't know why this happens, but if I stay on top of my skincare routine, my skin is nice. One thing though, that I would love to improve that I have no idea how is these bags under my eyes as I start to age. 
Um, I have three children, uh, one, three, and six. They all still sleep in our bed. So there's five of us in our bed. So every night I'm getting kicked, I'm getting pushed. So I don't sleep well. But I have noticed the last few years, these bags are starting to develop and it just makes me look old and I would love to improve them. I just have no idea what to do. So first, I am so happy to hear that you have a skincare routine. I mean, I, we didn't talk about it like, you know, when we first have our conversations. Yeah. I'm super happy about that. Um, you were talking about like itchiness now uh, around your, your beard. Yeah. Um, oh. Yeah. So this might be due to maybe to the accumulation, you know, of the product that might stay, you know, within, you know, your, your beard or underneath. Uh, it might be as well, I'm not sure which kind of vitamin C you're using, but sometimes if your vitamin C is not a stable one, is not using a stable vitamin C ingredients, then yeah. it can, <clears throat> it can oxidize. And wow. therefore, it can create some irritation onto your skin. So maybe look into when you open the bottle. And yep. if it's been like more than six or 12 months, then just like um, take another one. Uh, there is one that, you know, I love is, may, I'm not sure if you can find it in Australia, but uh, it's an American brand called Sunday Riley. And they yep. have an amazing um, vitamin C serum. Uh, you were talking about hyaluronic acid and basically yeah, yeah. it said that, you know, it is to replump your skin. So basically it is to keep the moisture within your skin. So that, that will help. One thing that I would add, maybe if you have the patience in the morning is to add an SPF. This will help you to uh, protect your skin from uh, the sun. So that's one thing. I do spend um, a lot of time in the sun. What's the go with... SP, like to me, sun, you know, I'm from Australia, so everyone slip, stop, slap sunscreen, but it's just for, you know, I don't get burnt. Like, what are the, are there other benefits to sun, like SPF, or is it just to, because I do spend a lot of time in the sun? Well, the thing is, the sun is going to, um, if you spend a lot of time under the sun and you not protect your skin, uh, it can have like different effects. First, like the sun is, burning your skin more or less. So basically you are damaging your skin. Yep. So you're oxidizing as well your skin. You are creating more uh, dead cell skin that can be accumulating, you know, onto your skin, but uh, you can also have pigmentation coming from the sun. So for me, that's one thing that I always put on is SPF and then just to protect, you know, your, uh, your skin overall. Um, so that would be like the main reason. And if you want to age better, I would say. Um, I do, yeah. I would like to age better, age, age gracefully. <laughs> so uh, the other question that you had was about your eye bag. So oh, the, yeah, yeah, the eye bags, I mean, I think, you know, I, I do have eye bags as well. And when I think it's a combination of indeed lack of sleep, um, the food that we're eating. So if you're eating more sugar, um, I believe that it has an impact as well uh, because it is creating you know, inflammation on your skin and under the eyes. Um, alcohol can be as well because it can create some inflammation as well. But if you look into your genes in terms of your parents, you know, if your parents have also 
uh, eye bags, it can come from there as well. And sometimes it's due because we have a lack of good blood flow under um, your eyes. So uh, what can improve is some massages, but to be very honest with you, it would be like, you know, sleep. This is what helps me a lot and the best. <laughs> so you're not there yet, Drew, I think. <laughs> like, yeah. you know, with four, three kids not coming to your bed, like every night. <laughs> yeah, yeah, sleep. I'll, yeah. I'll try, but yeah, it ain't going to happen. So that's it, okay. <laughs> it will get better. It will get better. Like, you know, I promise you. I'm, it depends on, on, your, on your kids. I had like... One of mine, she he stayed like in our bed or coming to our bed like every single night until it was like seven or eight, I think. So you need to be patient. <laughs> yeah, I I've been sleeping at the wrong end of the bed for six years now. So I've probably only got another six or seven years left. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, Drew, who or what inspire you? Where do you get the inspiration from? Uh, number one, uh, in terms of just what I do on a daily basis with PCOS, it's the comments, you know, I don't really deal with people face to face anymore, but just dealing with, you know, putting out a piece of content and realizing that this content has a, has a massive impact on someone's life. You know, as I mentioned before, I have an entire support team who do all of our messages and emails and we have a system that, you know, if there's any, um, any, you know, we get a, a fair few emails of just people messaging in to say, you know, I've been following your content and, you know, I've fallen pregnant or I've made this change in our life. And I'll make sure any of those emails they send through. And I just like to sit on that. You know, I just like to, you know, I have a front yard here. So I like to take my phone out in the front yard and just read it and just sit on it and and really try to soak in that, even though it's just me here at home in front of my phone doing my TikTok you know, we're actually having an impact on people's lives. So that's the first thing. And then, you know, I also have, you know, in terms of the business, you know, my family, um, you know, I want to provide a, a stable life for my family, for my wife. Um, you know, we just bought a home. So trying to pay the mortgage is very difficult with the interest rates at the moment. Congratulations. Yeah, thank you. Was that, look, yeah, it was a years and years and years process that we finally did it, but just that, but look, mainly it's, you know, and this is a selfish goal of mine. I really want to, in my little way, make a change in the world. You know, I'm not going to develop some sort of anti, you know, I'm not going to cure cancer. I'm not going to be the first person to walk on Mars or anything like that, but I would love at the end of my life for people to be like, man, he like spearheaded this change in PCOS that everyone needed. Before him, um, it was just, you know, you dealt with your doctor and that was it, where he spearheaded this PCOS awareness movement. Like I would love to be known as that. And I love this, you know, about your vision, your purpose and, 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 and your mission as well. Uh, when we had our first conversation, and I think this is, that was one thing, you know, in common that we have, you and me, is like to change the world in, you know, in your domain, you know, in your field, um, yeah. and to impact as much as women as possible with POCOS and to build and create 
and grow awareness about it. Most definitely. Most definitely. Um, Drew, who would you like to see as a guest, a next guest on uh, this podcast on beauty, s'il vous plaît? Uh, well, I don't know too many beauty experts. It's not really my field, so I can't really say that. Or it can be in your field. Yeah, yeah. I was thinking about hormones. So the one that really sticks out, I actually interviewed her two years ago. It just it never actually come out. Uh, I mentioned her just before is Dr. Lara Bryden. Um, she's got a large social media following. Uh, the reason why I think she would be fantastic is, uh, again, we're talking about she specializes in, in female hormones. So she wrote a book all on the period repair manual. So it wasn't just, you know, here I am talking about PCOS specifically. She's talking about periods, the menstrual cycle, hormonal birth control. And her last book was actually on menopause and how to navigate that stage of a woman's life, which I think, again, is another phase of a woman's life that is very much taboo and not spoken about and not educated enough about. So if you've got an audience of women who are dealing with their hormones every single day and are dealing with their periods or going through menopause, I think Dr. Lara Bryden would be amazing. I would love to have her. And uh, I think, uh, Drew, you um, you read my mind in some <laughs> in some ways because uh, what I was thinking of is indeed to talk more about menopause. Um, I've had uh, one of my friends, she is a grey model here, Caroline Labouchere, and uh, she is an advocate about menopause because she's going through menopause. Um, yeah. But I really wanted to, I mean, I want to have like an expert talking about menopause and uh, coming from you. I know that she's going to be like an amazing um, guest to have on my podcast. Most definitely she would be. Drew, it was an absolute pleasure to have you um, with us today to talk about PCOS Uh, you shared so much. Um, how and um, where can we find you? How can we contact you? The easiest place is our social medias. So if you simply type in healthy PCOS into Instagram, Facebook, or we're also on TikTok as of this year or last year, 2020, or you can go to our website, www.healthypcos.com, and you can reach out to us there, uh, email us on the website, or just reach out to us directly on our social medias. And I must say, Um, the first time I sent an email uh, to Healthy PCOS, I didn't know where, you know, it was sent to. Drew uh, replied to me within the day, within the hour. So they are all very responsive. Again, I cannot um, emphasize more than go on their social media. You're going to learn so much about PCOS, uh, all the aspects, you know, a lot of things that, you know, we talked about today, you have different videos. And again, it is educational, it is fun, um, it is um, honest, and uh, and it's done by Drew, and it's amazing. So, Drew, again, thank you so much for today. I'm sure we're going to have so much more like to do together in the future, and I'm so excited by what you're developing as well. Uh, for healthy PCOS because indeed this is an Australian company or based um, 
in Australia, but you have just opened some warehouse in the UK to be able to diffuse more um, awareness and your supplements in Europe. And you are about as well to do the same in the US and uh, can be not more excited for you for that. Yeah, no, thank you. It's a, it's a very exciting time. So, uh, and thank you for having me on. This episode is sponsored by Ketish, and it felt so natural as the founder, Iman Abbas, has PCOS. And in their episode we recorded together a few months ago, she is sharing her journey with PCOS. Ketish is a feminine wellness brand that celebrates women and the goddess we are. My favorite product is the Quickie Wipes, so handful when I need to refresh my intimate parts and my underarms during the day and in so many other occasions. You can get a 20% off your first purchase using the code SILVOUPLE20. If you do so and if you purchase and try the Quickie Wipes, let me know, DM me, and I would love to know your experience with it. Thank you so much for joining me in this episode today. If you enjoy it, please rate it with five stars, leave a comment, and share it with at least two of your friends. This will help the podcast to be more visible and high in the rank. I cannot wait to have you in my next episode to talk more about beauty. In the meantime, take care of yourself, and remember, be your own kind of beautiful.